0: Chats, the show where I, Josh Pickford, founder of Bearmetrics, hop on a call with my founder pals and get the stories of how they started and grew their businesses. This week, I talk with Sahil Lavingia, founder of Gumroad. We talk about dropping out of college, being the second hire at Pinterest, the history of Gumroad, raising millions of dollars, laying off 75% of the team, profitability, the future of work, and a ton more. Enjoy. All right, Sahil, how's it going, man? I'm good. Oh, three M four two zero
1: V. i am good 03 m picked that absolute worst. Part. That was amazing. Uh, That's technology, technology, man.
0: I think she knew. She 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 wants to be on the podcast.
1: She does. Okay, hopefully that doesn't happen again.
0: All right. Hey, and if she has something to say, we we will let her speak.
1: We'll we'll get to that point at some point in the future where we're just interviewing <laughs> Alexas.
0: And they're they're just like spouting off the facts about their owners. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, all right, cool. Well, um, so so to kind of kick things off here, um, I would love to get your backstory like early, early days. You as a you as a kid. So where start starting things off, like where'd you grow up?
1: Um, so I grew up in Singapore um for most of my life. Um I was born in New York um to parents that immigrated from India. Um, but when I was four, we moved abroad and then I I grew up abroad and then I went back to the U S, um, when I was for college when I was 18.
0: Gotcha. So what was, I mean, the move to Singapore at at an early age, what was, if if you were like, if your parents had immigrated to, to New York, but then what took you guys back to Singapore?
1: Uh, my dad's job really, um, was 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 the was the reason behind that and it was it was an interesting experience I mean it's it's so hard to say what it felt like because I'd never grown up not there you know you you kind of grow up in one way and that's just like the way that you know things uh but I do think it was like a pretty important like step in my in my sort of child development just just sort of like seeing that there's more than one way that certain problems are tackled and the value systems that are sort of that are very different in America and Singapore and other places that we traveled i think is is it's it's critical because i think it shows you that i don't know like the world is just is it's like humans are a very reactive species and i don't think there's like some grand master plan and that like every every city, every problem is solved, is supposed to be solved in a certain way. We're not all headed towards like a single place.
0: Right, right. Um, Do you, did you guys, you mentioned you through your travels, I mean, did you guys travel a lot, even while you are as a kid?
1: Um, Quite a bit. I mean, I definitely grew up in a very privileged sort of family. Um, my parents mm-hmm. didn't, but you know, they, they broke down those barriers for me. And so, yeah, I would—I'm would not shy to admit that I did grow up in quite a bit of privilege. We traveled quite a bit, um, at least you know once a year or so to, sure, some, you know, some, somewhere in the in the you know Vietnam or Cambodia or or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. What um, you mentioned that you you guys moved to Singapore for your dad's job. What your what did your dad do?
1: Um, investment banking. So he worked for Deutsche Bank for a long, like twenty years, just as long as I can remember. Right, right. right.
0: What were as a kid? Were you were you into computers at all?
1: I started getting into computers when I was probably twelve or thirteen, or maybe a little bit earlier, um, doing Photoshop. So I started out doing more graphic sort of graphic design stuff, and I had a friend who was who was into it in school that would do it for something related to World of Warcraft, and. And I was like, that's cool. I, could, I think I could do something like that. And so I started messing around. And, you know, like everyone, like their first project is like a, a website for their clan or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that's sort of similar to how I started. Uh, and then, you know, doing it for other people, getting paid next to nothing for it. Um, and that kind of just, you know, someone's friend's parents would... Would be like, hey, we have like an art auction thing that we're doing that we need a website for, and it just kind of, it kind of happened. I was not very strategic about, oh, in ten years I want to be here. Right. It happened in a more organic way.
0: So, as a preteen, early teen, you started getting into computers, um, and then when did you when did you head back to the states for school?
1: In two thousand ten, when I was yeah seventeen, eighteen years old. I moved back to to LA to go to USC.
0: And what were you what were you majoring in there?
1: Computer science and uh, computer engineering.
0: So, I mean, in that that time frame between when you sort of started poking around with Photoshop, um, and then till what was that five six years later, mm-hmm. going to to USC for computer science. I mean, like, where what? Like, I guess, when was that shift from sort of design-focused stuff to more of the sort of programming engineering side?
1: Yeah, so that probably happened around 2008 or nine. So I was doing sort of design work for, for like two or three years, just freelancing. And then I think kind of inevitably as you do freelance, you have your own ideas for things that you want to make, little products or, you know, little web apps or something like that. And so I started hiring like a friend that I was working with to do little PHP backends for these things. And over time I was like, this is costing me money. I would prefer that it did not cost me. money." Right. <laughs> so I'm just going to learn that. And so I tried, I did a little bit of PHP. I was terrible at it. Um, so I, but I, I, that's how I first got into it and, and really struggled. And I was like, Oh, I'm just going to be a designer. Like I'm not going to be that, you know, sort of, designer-engineer-hybrid that I've always dreamed of. Um, you know, like the Sean Men's of the world, these people that can do both. Right. And then, so that's kind of, that's, I stuck to that until 2009. So, you know, another couple years. And then the iPhone app store was released mm-hmm. and with the SDK and all that sort of stuff. And, and that just, it, that clicked for me. So I started doing some, some, you know, design work for the, for the, for the iPhone, of course. And I had my own app ideas as everyone did at the time when it was so brand new and everything was doing super well. And that, I think just the way that Apple approached the way that they thought about their tools, it made a lot more sense to me as a designer coming from a design background and a UI background. And so I started making iPhone apps and I was pretty successful at that. Um, and then I sort of backed myself back into doing web stuff with Python and Ruby because I needed sort of APIs and, and things for my apps. So right. it's sort of a weird path to it. But
0: so do you? Do you feel like you kind of I don't know if relates really the right word, but um, connect more with the pro the, like the programmatic side of things or the visual
1: side? I I connect with with more of the visual side, I think, I think I will always consider myself more of a designer than an engineer. Um, I'm, but really I'm interested in, in solving the problem. And so sometimes that does have an engineering point of view, uh, an engineering bent to solving a certain problem. Um, to me, I, I, think of, I think of like good design, like architecture where, you can't really be an architecture and be a purely visual person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also can't be an architecture and be a purely engineering, sort of technical physics, whatever person. I don't know. Um, you right, right. you know, you kinda have to sort of straddle both. And I think sort of product design is, is like that. Industrial design is like that. A lot of the to to me, design sort of it needs that component of like you need to know how things work in order to Make them pretty and make them work better. They're they're two sides of the same coin.
0: But yeah, I would say
1: I'm definitely more a designer.
0: Gotcha. So so you go to USC for um, essentially computer science. Mm -hmm. Um, Did did you finish there or um, did you move on to? Because I think I mean you you ended up at Pinterest pretty early. Yeah.
1: correct? Correct. Yeah. So I actually I was there for a semester um and then i but for what like one single semester yeah one it's weird because semester is like not even a word people say outside of school you know? I don't know so it's like one semester what what even is that uh yeah i was there for one from just from august to december and honestly i swear to god that i did not intend to leave when i got there like it wasn't like you know, people. It's funny because people look at my path sometimes, and they're like, "Oh man, you're so smart! You started designing when you're young, and then you learned to code, and then you learned iPhone stuff, and then, you know, right right before this, it blew up, and then you got a job at Pinterest because of that, and then you did this, and and I'm like, yeah, it all looks awesome in hindsight, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I
0: planned none of
1: it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I think if I planned it, I would have hit a wall and given up. You know, <laughs> right, right, because you know, from beginning to end, it's just like a ten year journey, um, but. Yeah, I, I, I started, I was in school, and, and when I moved to California, I was like, I'm here, you know, I'm in the hotbed, or as close as I was going to get for a while to Silicon Valley, right? I was aware of right. Silicon Valley. Um, but even at USC, there wasn't much going on. And so I started contributing to uh, Hacker News and commenting there a lot to kind of get uh, some of those requirements of being in California fulfilled for me. And I started posting my work on, you know, on Hacker News. And that got me interest from startups that right, were like, hey, you know, we don't have an iPhone app. We need one. Could you help us make it? You know, this is 2010 where, you know, Pinterest, like Ben, the CEO of Pinterest, um, or now at least he wasn't at the time, he emailed me, one of the founders, and he was like, hey, you know, we work on this thing called Pinterest. It's like this app that lets people share, organize, catalog the things that they're that they love that they're really into. And it's awesome, but we don't have an iPhone app Uh, and we need one pretty badly. And could you, could you help us out with that? We saw some of your work online and that's, I did that for a few, for a few different startups. I started just helping people with their iPhone apps from USC and, you know, pretty quickly I didn't, I wasn't aware at the time, but these guys are hungry for talent. You know, still today, I think, you know, it hasn't really changed. It's people need people. It's like the mm-hmm. bottleneck to, to growth for so many, so, so many of these larger, larger companies and, and smaller startups too. It's the hardest thing that we ever did at Gumroad was hiring, but I didn't know it at the time, but you know, quickly they're like, yeah, we need, we would love if you, like, have you thought about just coming full time and doing this full time? And so those contract gigs turned into full-time job offers. And then I decided to work at Pinterest
0: what so were you i mean this is super early at pinterest i mean how many people were even at pinterest at that in 2010
1: i was the second employee so therefore okay. like two two founders and one other employee and then i joined the same day as, as another employee so i was four and a half i don't know
0: right right, right. so i mean uh, you know that's early day to me like 2000 that whole sort of 2010 ish give or take a couple of years um was a different type of like to me almost reminded me of, like early days of of the web itself where yeah like everything f- felt new but hadn't like gotten to the point of being jaded yet um you know yeah. it was just sort of the especially with the iPhone right i mean like just mobile stuff in general felt like this yeah. new frontier and so many companies were popping up then who are still around today um i mean what was what was the feeling like or what was it like in 2010, at you know a company like Pinterest, who at the time was still obviously really new, but I mean, was there still a lot of buzz around it at that point?
1: Pinterest was a weird company. Is a weird company because it doesn't have the same tech aura that a lot of the other companies did and do. At, the, at the, you know, um, like for example, I can talk to most of my friends, and they might know who Jack Dorsey is or Mark Zuckerberg is, but if I ask them who the CEO of Pinterest is, a lot of people don't know. Right. Um, and I think it's their approach to PR. Like Ben's never been like a really big, hot, flashy person. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, in the same way. And yeah, but, but to answer your question, I, I would say, yeah, like the, the time to- 2010 was weird. It was so different. It was so optimistic. It really was because of the iPhone. Um, I would say it probably deserves a hundred percent of the credit and then later Android, but really the iPhone started it. Um, you know, Instagram, Quora, like, um, square Pinterest. Um, it really was Slack. I think started around the Snapchat. Like they were all really like late 2010. You know, I remember having an Alexa dashboard up and, like I would check every couple of weeks and it was like all those sites, you know, and how yeah. they're growing. Um, and it's, yeah, it was, it was just a sign of, you know, it's just, you know, it was a new platform and, you know, tens of millions of people were getting it. Um, And it was an entirely new sort of way of solving a problem, you know. It was like learning a new language, um, learning algebra or whatever metaphor. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I think people don't really – I don't know. Like when I got to Silicon Valley, you know, like I don't know what I imagined, but I almost imagined like I think like a South by Southwest where everyone was like hanging out all the time. (laughs) But it's really like, you know, you work at your company – and we were we were in Palo Alto at the time, so we weren't in SF. But, you know, you work at your company and you're, you know, you're not, you don't really feel, you know, like maybe you you go to certain events and things, but you're not really like in some community. It's not like going to church every Sunday or something. Right. It's, it doesn't have that vibe of like, I know everyone around me. I know my neighbors. It's, it's really like you're there to build something. Um, and it was easier to do that because it was so... It was so growth oriented in in a product development sort of way because this was all so new, you know. Um, you know, at the time, like you know, Instagram didn't have commenting or Twitter didn't have retweeting or like Pinterest didn't even have an iPhone app, right? Like, it was just so new that it was it was almost easy. It was like we know what we need to do when we get to work. We need to yeah. build our iPhone app. We need to like. It was obvious. Now I think it's it's matured. It's it's not as obvious anymore.
0: Though no, there's like so there was so much low hanging fruit then, right? Like you could, yeah, you could, you could just like throw a, a dart in the dark and you would almost certainly hit the right, hit the target because it was obvious sort of what to do, and it was just like sort of who could get there and do all these things the quickest. It was yeah, like I think optimism.
1: you know the iPhone, it was it was like a third world country, you know, you you get there and you're like, okay, we need to build this and this and this. It's not you don't really credit people doing that as necessarily smart, ingenious. But opportunistic, you know, lucky, hardworking for sure. Um, it's not easy, I mean, but, but, but well, yeah, sorry.
0: The, well, I think, you know, you mentioned sort of opportunistic. I mean, all, so much of this came down to timing, right? Like, and, and like being in the right place at the right time, you know? I mean, yeah. for you, you just happened to be like, like had the iPhone come out like a few years earlier or a few years later, then, you know, for you, that would be a different story for you because it was just all that came out at the right
1: time. You know? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, people ask me like, you know, do do you wish you dropped out or not? Or, and I'm like, well, you know, if I picked, if I didn't pick Pinterest, right? If I didn't pick 2010, like, the, you don't. I don't know. I mean, it, it could have been better. It could have been worse. I can't imagine it being better. But you
0: could have picked. You could have picked some like really obscure startup yeah. that didn't make it, right? And then like you could have got burned out six months later. You're back at USC and tell a different story
1: very yeah, yeah. i think i yeah a hundred percent i have no argument with that that is true um it's hard it's hard to see that sometimes because you see my path and you're like oh of course like you would have been successful and it's like well you're only listening to me talk right now because of this path right <laughs> so if i ended up taking a different one like seven forks down the road like you would be listening to somebody else who did take the path that i took I mean, it's like it's it's right. so it's so tricky
0: have you, um, have you, uh, read the book dark matter? No, no. So it's the, the, the basic premise is that, you know, like there's all these parallel, um, sort of realities that exist. It's like every, every choice that you could have ever made. There is some reality mm-hmm. that exists where you did make that choice. And, uh, I mean like, yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody's like that where it's like, oh man, I'm at, what if I had done this? And then what if I had done that? And like all these different paths that you could kind of end up going yeah. down so it'll hurt your brain if you think about it too much um okay so to so pinterest uh you're there for a, a couple of years a year one year yeah one year a year okay so so after pinterest is that when you um started gumroad
1: yep exactly okay
0: so what was what was the impetus for that like how you know you're you're building the mobile side of things for pinterest and then you've got this idea for gumroad or
1: yeah i think a lot of it was just restlessness um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a skill that I've gotten better at over the last five years, but yeah, I, you know, I got to just like I got to USC and I was like, I need to build stuff and do stuff for multiple clients. And I got to, to, to Palo Alto and I was, you know, I was, I was super happy at Pinterest. I mean, we were building some awesome stuff and the, the use usage was amazing and things like that, but I, you know, I still needed to solve Different problems on my own, so every weekend I'd build an app, or every every few weekends or something like that. And one of them was Gumroad. I built a few other ones, and there was just something cool about Gumroad that struck a chord in myself and other people in a way that nothing else I had built had. And it just was on my mind really for a while, and yeah, I was at Pinterest, and Pinterest started to mature as I got there. Um, Quite quickly, you know, it's it's interesting. Like you look at Pinterest when I got there, and you look at Pinterest today, and it's not that different. And that's not to say that they haven't done t- stuff. Of course they have, but the the, the they we, we you know we kind of nailed what we were building. We knew what we were building then. Uh, we would figured that out, and it was really just scaling the beast at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, it's so it 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 just changed the and I, I really the I would say the sentiment that I felt was. I don't think I I am I need to be here for this company to be successful anymore. Like I think someone else could come in and solve, you know, the framework is there. We just need to move on these things. Um, I felt like I I I got a lot of the creative stuff done. I made the iPhone app, I built the prototype of the iPad app. I did, you know, the pinmarklet and and the sharing like I felt like I I made a lot of the impact that I was going to make, which maybe was a you know, I think was maybe just me not understanding how startups work at the time. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I felt like I wanted to, I wanted to learn. That's why I was there and I was successful at Pinterest and I had all these investors that were like, Hey, you should start a company. Like you could totally raise money and blah, 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 blah. And so I did, I was like, yeah, I'll try that out. Kind of similar to my, my, you know, I, I joined Pinterest cause, cause I was like, you know, if, if, if this works out, I don't have to go to school. I can save money and time, and I can go do this thing that I wanted to do. And if it doesn't work out, I can go back and have more insight in how I want to tackle my college career in, in order to be more successful the next time around, or something like that. Um, starting a company was sort of similar, in which I was like, okay, I can, I really want to do this. You know, in in when I was sixteen or seventeen before college. I had a 10 year plan to go start a company or a 15 year plan or whatever. And I would like get a good degree and work at Google and then work at a startup and then do this. And so I was like, Oh, I can do this now. I can see if this is what's something that I want to do or if I'm good at now. And if it doesn't work out, I can always go back and work at a startup like Pinterest. And so right. a similar mentality, it was like, you know, people always talk about safety nets and like, Oh man, you're so risky. Like Silicon Valley is full of risk. And I'm like, Silicon Valley is Actually, I think the opposite of risk. There's such a powerful safe, uh, safety net there that, oh, yeah. that it lets people do things that look risky from the outside. But it's like, look, if if Gumroad like hit a wall and got and exploded, I would have, I you know, I had fifteen thousand job opportunities yesterday. You know, it's just right. not. Whereas, you know, if you're trying to do a company in Thailand, it's a different story. And I
0: do think that yeah. like most most entrepreneurs aren't. I mean, they're actually quite risk averse. They're just, they happen to be, they have a, a skill set that gives them so many fallbacks, yes. right? You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you you would have so many job offers. I could go and like pick up a bunch of clients and do a bunch of like designer development work within yeah. a week. You know I mean? Like, so it's like that removes basically any risk, you know? Yes. And, it, and, it, and it makes it sort of like this... Um, expensive playground right like Mm -hmm. but that you can kind of do whatever you want Mm -hmm. um yeah exactly do you so so you got gumroad you have the idea for gumroad you're you know you mentioned you have all these ideas that you're kind of like every weekend kind of kicking out something else like what was it about gumroad that really sort of stuck in your mind as the thing to to focus on
1: yeah it was really this idea that we were it was a new behavior um, that I think could have enabled like a whole new type of commerce uh, and content creation. Um, just like why the iPhone I think was so powerful. There was, you know, there was this, this there was social media and everyone was getting a, you know, a, a, a Twitter account, a Facebook account, Instagram account, Snapchat account. Um, there are all these different ways to communicate online and there was no commerce. So there was like that, that, that democratization happened to text and all Types of free content, video, audio, things like that, but it wasn't being applied to like paid content. And the idea was like, could we make it as easy to sell content as it is to share content today? What would that do to the world? Like, would it would it would it be helpful? Would it create? Would it like take all of these people that have been sitting in their basements or their bedrooms making stuff, but not being able to connect to an audience, and now they're all of a sudden being able to connect to an audience, but they still weren't able to monetize properly. Um, that was the idea that got me really excited about it, uh, was like, yeah, this, I didn't know, I didn't know what it would do, but it was like, no one's tried this. Like this, this is new. Um, that's what really drove, drove me to be really excited. And also this kind of, this scale effect, this, the leverage of it, which is we were going to help people build businesses. Right. And so the value of what we're building is not only the value of Gumroad, as a company, but the value of all the things that all the businesses that now exist because Gumroad exists. Yeah. And that ripple effect.
0: Was there, was there like an altruistic element to it? Like you felt like, man, I really want to help other businesses or were, was it more just entrepreneurial? Like I want to build a business, you know, to build this huge business.
1: I think it was a combination. I wanted, I definitely I think it's important to think about the social impact of what you're building. And I don't think I would have built anything. I don't think I've ever, ever have built anything that was purely about just like, I want to build a big business. Yeah. Um, but I think they, they sort of go hand in hand, right? If you, if you do something that really has a lot of social impact, there are business opportunities to that. Sure. Um, Gummer government's an interesting example because I I, don't, I think is a lot smaller as a business than people think sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, which we can definitely get into, but yeah, I I'd say I start with, this is a problem that hasn't been solved yet, at least in the way that I think it, it it should be solved. What what will solving that problem do? Like, what if we remove this roadblock? Like, is is there a cliff on the other side, or is there like a, a you know a, a highway?
0: Yeah. So so from a technical standpoint, I mean, at that point, this is. So what, 2011, 2012?
1: Is that... Yeah, so I, I left Pinterest in like late 2011, and then I, I started Gumroad at the same time, and then I raised money sort of almost immediately after. By February 2012, we twelve, we'd raised $7 million. Uh, so so what,
0: at this point, it's I think to me is, you know, it's 2010, like things have really started heating up, Um there's, there's tons of buzz, especially around on the VC side of things. Like was, was raising Mm -hmm.
1: money for you guys a pretty easy thing relatively? Yes. Yeah. Raising money was, was easy. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the fact that I was an early employee at Pinterest would, which had really just been noticed by VCs and started blowing, like, you know, had just raised a bunch of money. At the time, you know, people weren't raising the rounds that people have started raising right. since 2012 or 13. You know, people raised, you know 40, 50 million dollars Series B's was not really a thing back then. Yep. Um, so that that helped, and then the fact that I could design and code, I think, was really important. As you mentioned, it just it just lowers the risk factor a lot because I can yep. build, I can get quite far with really just my own abilities. Yep. I don't have to hire anybody.
0: So did you say that you said, did you say seven million is how much you raised?
1: Yeah. Okay. So uh, we raised a one million seed round and then a six million dollar A. Gotcha. So I, what, I could what be wrong. Plan? It might be one in one and seven to total eight. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think we raised eight. Okay. 8.1, eight point okay, like one. Eight. Total.
0: Um so what was what was the plan? I mean, like you did that early on with still essentially just an idea, right? Um, so like, what was the plan to use, to use all the money for?
1: Um, I mean, just hiring really. I mean, I think that's the answer for most, for most companies at that stage. Um, at least for, you know, what we were building, like just software. Um, I, I would say it wasn't, we had a plan in the sense that like we want, I, I what I told VCs is, is like, look, I don't necessarily know what's going to happen, but, I want to work on this problem for at least five years
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I want to give it at least five years to see what's what's possible with this because I think it might take a long time I think it might we might try for a couple years and like not see anything and that's why I raised the, the amount of money I did besides the fact that I could yeah um, was yeah I was like yeah I want to I want to spend five years on this thing I want to hire as many people as I want to be able to and I don't want to really have to think about anything else mm-hmm and if we raised, you know, a million dollars or $2 million, um, you know, in, in 18 months, we'd have to think about raising money again or, and, and I just didn't really want to be concerned about that. Right, right, right.
0: Well, I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of CEOs end up being like sort of like chief fundraising officers, right? Like they're just one, one round after another constantly working on that stuff.
1: Yeah. And I think that's fine. And some of those companies end up doing really well, but I, yeah, we just weren't there yet. Sure. I think and yeah, I just not I'm not excited. I didn't get into stars because I'm like I you know, I want to spend my days raising money. That's just so much fun. <laughs> so,
0: okay, so so the first the first few years, I mean, I think I I first heard about Gumroad maybe 2013 um to me like where I, where it really started getting a lot of headway was um you know, like online like content creator kind of people um mm-hmm. i mean like i I, yeah. I found out you through like ryan Delk and like mm-hmm. him talking at all sorts of conferences that i happen to be at and um mm-hmm. do you did you guys have a, a focus on a specific sort of niche um as far as like content creators go or was it just like let's just cast a wide net and see what happens
1: uh, for the first year we, we focused actually on more of the entertainment verticals mm-hmm. like music and film and, and publishing. And we did the, our whole, the whole time, but we also, um, uh, we, we did cast a wide net and after a couple of years, like, yeah, 2013 or so, we noticed that the sort of the content make money online crowd, um, higher brow than that, but you know, like sure. the Nathan Berry's and yeah. the brain Dunn's and uh, the Amy Hoyes, um, really gravitated towards using it and so we've we spent a lot of resources Ryan yeah was definitely involved on that side um, and that drove a lot of revenue for us um, but now it's you know it's like it's like software apps a lot of art art education I, I think of it like education educational content as less so like how to make money online it's really like this you can learn a certain skill and that you know we have people you know selling ultimate frisbee. videos basketball and you know every really like the gamut like no i don't think any one vertical is any bigger than maybe 10 20 of the of the whole the whole pie
0: gotcha so those first few years i mean what between let's say 2012 when you first started and then 2000 we'll say 2014 a couple years later but like what had changed for for you did did was gumroad as a company doing kind of what you had hoped or expected or had it gone down a different path? Uh, what was that like?
1: Yeah. I mean, it didn't grow as fast as I was expecting. It had a lot of buzz for sure. But I think in terms of actually turning into revenue, we weren't seeing the uptake that we thought we were seeing. We were going to see in terms of GMV mm-hmm. mostly. Um, I think that was mostly due to... I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch of reasons, I think, and we can delve into all of them. But it was really, I think, the, the, the simplified version of it is that the, the people that we were building for, there, there, was a li- there was not that many of them, and they weren't making as much as we thought they were going to make. Um, that's, I think, kind of what it comes to... Like, creative people... Um, and in the way that, you know, selling digital content online um it just wasn't a huge market gotcha
0: so what I, like what did you guys do to adjust for that
1: um honestly we didn't <laughs> um we thought internally a lot about you know should we go more patreon you know if we you know should we build something like that or should we focus on businesses like should we focus more on high volume content creators, the schools, the sort of more, uh, maybe like this or should we go more marketplace and build something more like a skillshare or something like that? And I I think the jury's still out on like how successful any of these companies are going to be. Um, some of them are bigger than government. Some of them are not, but I, I don't think anyone's really broken really what I think you need to break to be a successful business in this, in this spirit of commerce is, is a billion dollars a year in GMV mm-hmm. is roughly the, the number that people will say you need to be at, to be like an interesting company. Um, and really for us, it was just like an identity thing. Like, you know, why did we start building this company? And, and can we really change our DNA so, so much, You know, can we really say, okay, we're now building, we're not focused on individual content creators. We're now focused on like the million dollar run rate businesses and helping them sell courses online. Um, and yeah, I think we could have done that. I think, I still think to this day that we had the best team, um, that I worked with and, and we could have built anything. You know, if we were like, we're just going to copy them to make a better version. I think we could have done that, but that's not what we wanted to do. That's not what I wanted to do. Um, and so I decided, you know, we're gonna keep doing what we're doing. We're gonna solve the same problem for the same people and just get lean about it and 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 not raise more money and and just try this other path out. So
0: when you say like get lean, I mean like that was what 2015 or so? You guys had you had, you had a pretty big decision to make,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we did a round of layoffs, um, which I assume is what you're referring yeah. to. <laughs> um uh yeah we did a round of layoffs that was hard it was i mean it was interesting a lot of people i I think from the outside it looked harder than it was Mm -hmm. honestly i don't want to give myself too much credit Um, what was the tone what was what was
0: the like or sort of the yeah like what was this sort of overarching feeling or like buzz within the company at, at that point when you
1: yeah Yeah. So the the way it happened was in January. So in like maybe in late 2014, I started meeting with investors, and I was like, "Hey, this is what the business looks like. What do you think?" People that I was really close with, and they were like, "You know, this is an awesome business, but it's not venture backable. Like, you're not growing at the rates you need to to raise money from us." Frankly, they were really sort of upfront about that, and. So I told the team, I was like, in January, we had an all hands. And I was like, look, raising money is going to be super hard. And if we want to do it, we need to be growing at these numbers in September. Like, we're going to go out and raise money in September. We have enough runway to do that. But if we don't hit these numbers in nine months, we're going to have to not do that. We're going to have to rethink our position. And the whole team was bought into that. From you know, nine months, twenty plus people not a like single. They were, they person were, they left they were the in company. it for the
0: for this big push for nine months.
1: Yeah, they were. Yeah. I really, I mean, I think the the credit is you know, goes to the team for having the the and I would say it wasn't a tone of cynicism or depression or anything. It was optimism. It was like we can we might be able to do this. It wasn't like naivety, like this is gonna happen. But like, you know, I I think like, you know, if you give some, a team, you know, a goal and I don't know, it's, they, they get excited about it. And so, and everyone joined Gumroad, not because Gumroad was going to be like a Facebook, you know, but because it was going to, it was solving a real problem that we could, we could see. And, and that's the thing that was fascinating. It was really interesting is because we talked to certain people like, a, like Nathan Barry or, or Kyle Webster, a lot of these guys that use Gumroad, and it was like the best thing for them you know, it was like, it was perfect. It was like, they were making a ton of money. They were doing exactly what they wanted to do. It was such a good product. They loved the experience. We love talking to them because they were just like us. They were entrepreneurial and wanted to solve problems themselves. It was like, it was just really like, can we get, are there a million Nathan Berries out there? Can we find, and can, and can we get to them all in time sort of thing? And yeah, we, so we did that. And then September came around and you know, we just, I decided like, look, we're not we're not where we said we were going to be. Um, or not where we said we were going to be, but where we needed to be at least, right, for for this to work out. And it wasn't like a knock on anything except, like, you know, it didn't happen for us. Like that's, And so the nice thing about the layoffs was that it wasn't a surprise. One of the first things that Abbott from Kleiner, who was on our board, you know, one of the first things he told me is, like, if you make a decision and it's a surprise to anybody... Right, right, right. You messed up. Like that's your fault. When you fire someone, when you make a product decision, when you change something, like if anybody is surprised, like you got to really think about why that happened. And same thing with our layoffs. I was like, I want. I made sure that you know that Friday meeting, the all hands, no one was surprised when I was like, Hey, look, guys, like these are the numbers. This is where we said we're going to be. Like, I honestly don't think we're going to be able to raise money. Um, it was, it wasn't like, uh, like, it, there was no anger. There was the only, it was funny, like really the only sadness I think that I felt in that room was like, was for me, you know, it wasn't any in the team yeah. being like, dang it, I'm fired. Or like, what the hell? Or my life sucks. Uh, yeah. everyone knew they could get a job, you know, like it's, it's Silicon Valley, right? Everyone was really, really qualified. I think in a month, like. Everyone that wanted to be employed again was like, it was just, it was just like, Oh man, we tried this thing. You, you started this thing. We tried this thing together and like, it wasn't exactly what we wanted it to be.
0: So, so you had to lay off what half the team. Is that right? More than than half, more than half.
1: Yeah. So we went, we went from, yeah. So the, I mean, wh- one of the things that I said in January, I was like, look, we can do a layoff now and, and do this for two years and see if it's going to work. Or we can just say, look, we're going to stick with the team and we're going to try really hard and, and see what happens in nine months. What do you guys want to do? And I sort of made, I, I always said that like running government was more a conversation and not a speech. And I think that the, the, what people wanted was like, no, we want to try, we, we believe in ourselves. We're going to try this and we'd rather know sooner rather than later if this thing is going to actually mm-hmm. work for us or not, you know? And so, yeah, we went well, from 20 to five in the, in the, in that layoff. Yeah. Cause we, you know, we, we, we burned a lot more money that, in, you know, during those nine months. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we still had time, but I, I told, I was like, look, we could, we could do like, you know, we could lay off half the team or whatever, but, Sure. Man. Then we might have to do it again. You know, it's like I, I I wanted to sort of be confident in the fact that like we do this, and we do this leads to us controlling our destiny. It's not like an awkward halfway point. It's like we are really committed to this totally new way of thinking about Gumroad, and we need to we need to be as invested in that as we were about being invested in in, in raising money and doing that. We can't if we if we just like sort of decide kind of to make the leap we're just gonna fall right down into uh right the metaphorical abyss um so what
0: what was the what was the response like from not just not really the company but i mean outside of the company to to gumroad making all those or having to make all those cuts
1: yeah um i would say fear for a lot Mm of for a lot of our users um fear um which I think is fair, uh, you know, like a lot of the time you see this happen and like six months later, the company's dead or six months later, the company sold to Facebook right. and then a year later, the company's dead. And it's 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 a story that people have, have read quite a few times and I mean, I, I couldn't really help it. You know, I told people, look, we're aiming for profitability. We're going to get there. But yeah, it's a trust. It's trust, right? If you want to leave Gumroad, if your business is on Gumroad, you're doing $200,000 a year and you don't feel comfortable anymore, you should, yeah, like I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold it against you if you left and, and people did leave. A lot of people did leave, but, but, uh, I don't, I don't blame them for it. Um, investors honestly were like, you know, investors don't like the type of business that government is right now as much, right? Like they, they want the home run or the zero. They want me to like the, the I would say the consensus among my investors was like, we really like you. We still believe in you. We, we want you yeah, to yeah. to do something else and try again with a new idea because we want to invest in that and see if you can build the next billion dollar company. And maybe I will someday. I'm not opposed to that necessarily, but I just, I wanted to make sure that Gumroad has is, is, is there for people is, is there for our creators. And I don't say like some, you know, smoothie like business, like talk, like PR talk. I really believe that. I mean, I've been doing it since 2015 for over two years now. Um, I, w- I wanted to make sure that Gumroad, stayed around for you know if we were building like a photo sharing app or something like that i don't think shutting it down i probably would have shut it down but but like the fact that we had so many thousands of creators relying on us for their incomes uh and government was still growing it wasn't that like we weren't growing at all it's just we weren't growing at the 20 percent a month that we needed you know last month we grew 12 percent or something like that so we're still growing um we're just not big enough, and we're not growing fast enough for for the venture the venture scale venture back businesses. That sure, sure.
0: So how did so how did the company itself change? Other than you know, obviously the the size of the company from a team perspective dropped dramatically. Mm-hmm. But what 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 sort of from a culture perspective, how did that change the company?
1: Yeah, um, the biggest thing is that we said you know we're we're gonna stop investing in things mm-hmm. on like a whim as much. We still had like, oh, let's try this. Let's do that. Let's, let's. And we were just like, look, we're just going to work on building the core product and making it really, really good. And we just can't afford any of the other stuff. And we're going to have to rely purely on word of mouth. We're not going to have a marketing budget. We're not going to have a sales team. We're just going to focus on building an amazing product. And the nice thing about you know, building, a, building a, a, a software company like Gumroad is that you know like the vast majority of, of the mm-hmm. team was working on new stuff. Right, so it wasn't like, oh, we we have five people, we now can, like Gumroad has to shut down half the half the features. It's like, no, it's the same product. It's just that we're not building stuff, new stuff as fast and, anymore, and and so that was a shift. And then the second shift was a focus on revenue. So we focused on, okay, how do we? I, we were very altruistic in the sense that we were building all this functionality and we weren't really thinking about how we make money off of it. We had that five percent fee and that was it. We didn't think about like how much it cost to transcode videos or giving everyone unlimited file storage or all of these things. And so we and we still really haven't done that yet, I'd say, to an aggressive I think we could make a lot more money if we really were like, we're gonna charge for this and that and that. Um, but yeah, it was just like, okay, can we have a premium plan? What what does that look like? Can we get that to a point where it's making us, you know, thirty thousand dollars a month so that we are profitable? Things like that. And we did those things and it only took maybe from October or so to to March to get profitable to make all those changes and increase our bottom line by by you know the fifty or so thousand dollars we were, we were burning after after the layoffs and that's where we' we've grown since then but we're in a, we're in a similar place now.
0: I wonder how long I mean we have a sort of similar story where we realize like hey we either we either we, we probably won't be able to raise more money Um, and we've got to figure out how to get profitable quickly. And it it took about six months as well for us to, to like cross that threshold of, to profitability. Mm -hmm. Um, in hindsight, do you wish you had started that journey to profitability sooner or are you happy with sort of the way things played out, um, from a business perspective at this point?
1: Yeah, honestly, I don't regret, I don't think I would have done anything differently and maybe it seems weird cause it's like a bunch of failures got right. us to where we are today. But, um, yeah, I was, I was talking to a, an ex employee, uh, of, of ours, Alex, our designer, one of our designers. And he, he was telling me he's, you know, this is just six months ago or so. He's like, man, if you told me where you'd be right now, like you have this company, it was built by 20 plus people. You don't have to, you know, you're, but you're running it like a, a bootstrap business now, and you get a focus on your art and your writing. Uh, like I would have thought you were like some super cunning person that you like led to this outcome. You like somehow manipulated your employees and your investors, and right. he was, you know, he's joking around and stuff. And I was like, yeah, it kind of looks like that. Like I, I like. Gumroad, I think, couldn't have been built as a bootstrap business because the functionality that we have that we needed to be useful to, to creators required a lot more people than I think we would have been able to hire for a long time, Yeah, you know? Um, because especially even in 2013-14 when we had maybe six, seven, eight people, you need to be doing, you know, $30,000, $50,000 in revenue to do that. And, you know, if you're charging 5%, And then you have credit card fees afterwards and other things. It's just, it would, we would, it would just, I don't think the economics would have worked. I mean, you look at, I don't, I don't want to deride any clones of ours or copycats or inspirations or whatever, but there are a lot of people that have seen Gumroad and said, Oh, we're going to do this slightly differently or focus on books or whatever. And not to say that Gumroad was like the first one or anything either, but, but I think typically a lot, we we see this a lot, a lot of, uh, they they don't they work like they, they build them but they don't really reach any significant scale uh, and that's because I don't think people like a gumroad and they're like oh this is so easy and simple and I could build it and charge less or whatever and it'll be a great business uh, but people don't really realize how complex gumroad really is uh, I realize every day as we work on the product but I even forget I'm like oh yeah I totally forgot that like we're working on this feature right now to duplicate products, right? So if you have a product on government and you want to like create a new product that looks identical, except you want to change the price or change some stuff around or add some files or whatever, um, we're going to add this duplicate feature, which is awesome. People have been wanting it for a long time and they're like, oh, it's so easy, right? right. Like just duplicate, yeah. like copy or whatever. Ruby, like yeah. <laughs> dot copy. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, dot do, Dot save. And I'm like, and I'm like, and I, so I see the the pull request, the code for it now, and I'm like, oh yeah, I I, I told you, <laughs> like it's huge. it's a it's big because it's you realize how much how complicated Gummer really is. There's variants, there's product options, there's prices, there's subscriptions, there's subscription payment plans, there's offer codes, there's shipping destinations, there's Google Analytics, uh, there's third party tracking, there's uh, all this stuff that, um. There's transcoded videos, there's stamp PDFs. I mean the it's a long, long list. And yeah, I think people look at Gummer and they're like, oh, it's just a file delivery service. You just like put stuff on S3 and you send it out. And it's like, yeah, it was at some point, right. but not anymore. Uh it's a lot, a mm-hmm. lot more complicated than that. I wish I wish we could go back to that.
0: So you mentioned the the sort of like personal stuff that you're you're able to do now, art and writing all that. So Last year, last year you moved to to Provo. So what, like, wh- why, like, why, why, what, what was the reason for that?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I sometimes have to ask myself that too. Um, I joke a little bit, but yeah, I, I I would say I didn't answer your other question completely, and I'll answer it as part of this. Um, but we we went remote, right? So one of the things we did to mm-hmm. cut costs, you know, a huge percentage of our costs was our we got rid of our uh, San Francisco office you know, which was tens of thousands of dollars a month. Um, yeah. And we went remote just in San Francisco and that really got me thinking about like, Oh, I don't really need to be like, I'm spending, you know, $2,000 a month on my apartment. I'm not really, like, I don't really need, I'm not hiring. I'm not talking to VCs. I don't need to be in San Francisco anymore. And, and, and I, and I had a network. I, I was there for six years. I really had a very strong, I think, network of people that wouldn't go away if I left and came back or whatever, you know? And so yeah. I started thinking about, oh, you know, maybe I'll leave. Maybe I'll start. So I started like writing a novel on the side and I started, I wanted to like build up more empathy for our creators and really think mm-hmm. through Gumroad and, from a different lens. So I started working on some creative projects like that novel and, but I wasn't super serious about it, I would say. And then Trump happened and I was like, oh, hmm. Like, Gumroad is in a great place. Maybe there's another problem that I can be working on uh, related to not just like, Oh, Trump. Right. But like, you know, all these problems that I think became more clear to me because of that. Um, yeah. um, income inequality, healthcare, immigration, all these sort of, I was like, Oh yeah, there's all these other problems out there that we don't really think of because we, we've all, we've been in this bubble of Silicon Valley and, 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 and software. And so, I started looking around, like, oh, maybe I'll move. And in parallel to that, Brandon Sanderson, a fantasy author that I really love, he teaches a course at BYU, and and it's open to anybody, uh, not just BYU students. And I was working on this fantasy novel, and I was like, oh, I can, like, this, This like, checks all the boxes. And so I applied to that. I submitted the first chapter of my book and got in. And this is, like, December or January 3rd of of last year. And I was like, oh, I got in, I guess. I guess I kind of have to do this now. <laughs> you know, it was like one of those things where you don't, it's kind of similar to Pinterest and, and things like that. You know, it's like, I, I don't know how serious I was at the time, but I kind of kept going along with it until I was like, oh, I guess I have to now. Like, And so I got rid of my, I told my landlord, like, you know, I'm not paying your rent increase. I'm moving to Provo, and I sold all my furniture. And like you know, a week or two later, I was in January. I was I was living in Provo. And
0: I mean, so wait, so hold on. So so from like it was like one or two weeks from the time that you got accepted to the time that you were in Provo.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. I was in Provo January 15th. I remember that, and I got. I'm pretty sure I got accepted like January 3rd or something like that um yeah <laughs> what, i mean like yeah. what you,
0: you mentioned that your network of people in like san francisco what, what were what was their response to hey sahil is leaving san francisco now
1: yeah it was or, it was it was interesting i think i think it was weird a lot of people were like mm-hmm. like that makes no sense um but it was also fascinating because it also felt like really perfect to a lot of people mm-hmm. like that really knew me and like that I would actually hang it, you know, like the, the people that, you know, your Twitter friends with or whatever, they're like, what the hell? Right. But the people yep. that, um, that, you know, I grab beers with and things, they were like, Oh yeah, you're working on this novel. You're, you know, you're working on government, but it's not like you're, you know, your 60 hour week commitment anymore. Um, you're paying a lot of money for, to be in terms so you're already thinking about open sourcing some stuff and like how you can work on politics on the side and, and like, I can see, you know, like I can see like living in a conservative sort of religious bubble for a year work out like it, that could be a really interesting experience. And you can always come back. Right. That's the the catch. Right. There's no risk in, in this decision. For sure. It really. And so um, but, yeah, it was still surprising. Uh, and it wasn't me trying to, you know, it was just like, you know, they had a they only, they only got to, you know, cause most of the students, everyone except me was actually a BYU student or at least lived in Provo. So it wasn't like, we're going to make you move. Right. So I emailed back, I'm like, Hey, I live in San Francisco. (laughs) Is it like, I just want to make sure I can actually take this class before I move there. And and he was like, we, I don't think we've ever had anyone move, but yeah, I think it's possible. And so I was like, okay. Uh, And you know, like the great thing about, technology is you can do this, you know, like I, because of Twitter, because of Uber, because of Airbnb, you know, it's, po- it was possible before, but, but you know, I didn't know how to drive and, and, and when I moved to Provo, um, yeah. and and it just, it made it so much easier to move and get connected to a new part of the world really, really quickly. Sure.
0: I mean, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like, you know, Utah's only isn't that far from California. Yeah, true. Uh, huh? But I mean, but it, <laughs> but it's also it is i'm sure, i mean culturally mm-hmm. like a different country
1: yeah it's um, it's it's fascinating right because yeah you're right it's only a the flight is an hour and 15 wow. minutes it's in like la yeah, you yeah. know it's not it's not that far at all so what's what's it
0: been like i mean you know if if the company's remote i i assume that running the business itself is isn't that much different in Provo, Provo compared to running it from remotely from San Francisco. Um, but I mean, are there any like major differences or or, or ways that it's made? you run the business differently?
1: Yeah, I would say the the biggest difference has been in general, really focused on finding people that want to work on Gumroad and less so finding people that want to work for Gumroad, if that makes sense. And so you yep. know before it was like oh you're going to work here for 4 years get a bunch of stock and and it's going to be great and now it's more like you know Gummer's not going to be a billion dollar company we're not pitching anyone on that potential anymore and but if you really think Gummer's cool and you want to work on it for 6 months or a year or or you know take it as it comes um as a contractor we're very open to that and so we've actually um, actually right now I'm, I'm the only full-time employee of Gumroad. Everyone else has moved to a, to a contract model. And, um, and actually I've, I've been, one of the things I've been thinking about is I'm like, what are you, know, what, at some point, you know, it could be in five years, could be never, but I, I think, you know, I want to work on something new. And one thing that's been really fascinating to me is this idea of remote work. And I think that's a trend that I really am interested in, um, it's a lot cheaper, and it's really like you know. Are you really hiring the best people if you're only hiring from one location? Um, totally, probably not. Uh, and we've been able to work with people that I don't think we would have been able to work with as contractors. Um, that you know, you know, are amazing, but the, you know, but they're not because they're amazing. They don't they don't attach themselves to a single company. But now that they're and and, and or if they do, they're not like they're they're not like oh, I want to work on Gumroad for four years. But they're like, yeah, I would love to like help out on this one thing for six months mm-hmm. or a year, which is kind of what happens to a lot of startups, anyways. You know, you work there, yep. you like like me and Pinterest, um, and then you leave. But I, I yeah, I, I think being just more open and being like, yeah, that more sort of direct about that has been really has been really uh, really exciting and a lot lower stress. Um, totally. When you run a company and you have all these employees, there's this constant fear that people are going to leave there is definitely that sort of vibe and there's, you know, anyone leaving a company is always like a very dramatic thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and yeah, with, with, with this new model, it's been so much easier to be like, Hey, I think we finished this project. I don't think there's any more work. Is that cool? And they're like, yeah. Or they might be like, actually, there's this other thing I want to work on and they're like, awesome, cool. Like, let's figure that out. And it's been this very organic process and, a lot lower stress for me, and I really, I mean, Gumroad's been growing, and we've been shipping features again at a, at a faster rate, and it it doesn't. I don't think it's in a necessarily a war. It's worse. I don't. I don't think so.
0: I, that's an interesting. I mean, so so Bear metrics is we're totally remote, and I. But I mean, we're also our remote employees, even the ones in other countries, are are full time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like the idea of that like employment itself is sort of fluid that, I mean, already it's like, especially, you know, people our age, like, you know, it's certainly in their twenties and like in thirties, you know, compared to our parents who had the same job for 20, 30 years. Uh, we're now it's like, everybody's does a little bit more sort of floating from one company to the next, um, for better, for better or worse. But it's like when you have the full time, bit sort of uh, attached to it it like I wonder if it keeps people in jobs that they you know that's like they, they stick around either whether it's for the stock options or whatever yeah. but when you kind of when you kind of do it like you are mentioning kind of, people can kind of do their thing and I don't know maybe find more happiness in,
1: in yeah. work. and I, I think yeah I think that's true and and I'm you know of course like the full-time job is probably going to exist for quite a long time but But yeah, I think the trend is yeah, more people are trying stuff and or you know having things on the side. Like I could see, I could totally. We haven't done this yet, I don't think. But um, unless someone secretly has another job, but which would be fine. But you know, if someone's like, "Hey, I'm a full time Facebook designer, but I want to like do some work for Gumroad. Is that cool?" I'd be like, "Yeah, that's great." You know, Um, yeah. I don't. I I think in the next you know at at some point we'll see an, an. and definitely an innovation like I, I i think the fact that you have a company you work at a company and they're the ones responsible for your health care and your salary and all this sort of stuff i think i think that will change i don't mm-hmm. think that's i don't think that's super sustainable um well, also kind not, of puts, they put,
0: it's a weird thing you know you mentioned the healthcare thing like it's kind of odd that your employer is the one that's sort of in some ways, responsible for that, or at least like that's how yeah. the system sort of works. I mean, it, it to yeah. me it ties it ties people into jobs that they don't yeah. want. It does. They can't afford to take care of their their own health care outside of that. You know.
1: Yeah, and even not like even me moving to Utah was kind of a pain with my health care because my health care <laughs> is attached to California. Yep. Right. So it's like, how do you figure that out? And like, I didn't know how long I was going to be in Utah, and like all this sort of stuff. But yeah, I think and it's also a headache for the employer, right? Because it's like, well, now this this is the thing that if you start a company, like you have to do all this unsexy work that prevents you from running, from building the product that you actually want to build, which is kind of what you want to do most of the time, I think. Uh, you know, you want to build an awesome work work environment, and then you want to build an awesome product. Like Those are kind of like the big two outputs. Um, and yeah, healthcare and taxes and accounting, those are things that, are sort of necessary evils, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in in a way, law, you know, law lawyer related things. Um, and so, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say if if I'm I'm very interested in that. In, in like, is it possible for someone to 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 do more of that? Like, hey, I want to go work here and for a bit. And like, yeah, could could they even get stock? Like, I don't I don't. If someone's like, hey, I want to work at Gumroad for for six months, do this awesome project that's going to be really valuable for you, and I want. St- st- you know, some amount of stock for that. Why not? Um, why not? Yeah, yeah. I don't, there's nothing, there's nothing necessarily wrong around giving a non full-time employee. I mean, you do that with investors, you do that with advisors. Yep. I don't think there's anything necessarily.
0: I mean, I think, uh, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure Starbucks does that with their, I mean, part-time baristas. They, Oh actually, yeah. Yeah. I like think that's sort of one of the perks of, of that. In addition to them, like paying for education, all this stuff is, Yeah. Starbucks
1: is a, is a great company.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: okay. So what's,
0: what's the, what's the next year look like for, for you and for gumroad?
1: Yeah. Um, well really I've, I've been, I'll, I'll go with me personally. Um, I've been working a lot on just my creative pursuits. Um, one of the nice things about the remote stuff is that I don't, it's not like I have a traditional nine to five or whatever hours I'd be normally working. Um, and so I've been spending a lot of my time working on art and and writing um, fiction. Um, Presumably, you probably finished the
0: finish the BYU class.
1: I have, yes. Yeah. So okay. now it's just, yeah. It was. Now I've just been working on my on short stories now for last since like September. I sh- hopefully will be published soon. Um, there's a, th- a few things in the works, so that's exciting. Um, the worst way to make money ever, but. <laughs> um i have a, I, I will tell you i have a whole newfound respect for creators and how hard it is to make a full-time living creating stuff it's yep. so hard yep um creating code i'm like oh this is so easy i can totally make money doing this you know <laughs> software yeah great people will pay for that right. um but yeah I've been, so that's my personal is just really working on those skills so i don't i don't have the stress of like i need gumroad to be growing at a certain rate because I, i feel so much fulfillment from Those from from my personal growth, Mm -hmm. and then, and you know, Provo's also just really cheap, so like the financial stuff doesn't really factor into it anymore. Um, And then uh, on the Gumroad side, we're really excited about a really a a fundamental change in our business model, um, where we're going to go pure SaaS. And so today, you know, for the last six seven years, we've been sort of a, a a payment. A payments company in the way that we've charged, right? Like a Square or a Stripe, we charge a percentage fee on transactions. And since you know, from the layoffs, we did the the premium SaaS uh, thing that's been going really well for us. And now we want to we want to transition to that completely. And so we want what we want to do is say, hey, if you're part of the premium offering, um, you can actually you have the ability to to connect your own Stripe account to connect your own PayPal account. And we won't even take a charge fee anymore. Oh, wow. We'll just pass through 100%. Um, and so that goes away entirely. And that's not purely altruistic. That's not like, oh, we're just like, we are like we don't have to make money anymore, so we're just going to be an awesome business for you. Um, no, we, we actually think it's going to make the business better because it's going to make, make it so that with a smaller team, we don't have to focus on all the payments-related stuff anymore. And we can say, hey, Stripe's going to deal with payouts. They're going to deal with currency. We're going to focus on what we think we're really good at, which is the UI, the front end, the commerce, the e-commerce parts of things, the email marketing, that that sort of stuff. Um, And so, yeah, we've been working on that for a a long time. Uh, That should come out hopefully in the next three to six months. Um, And it's really like so much hinges on that because I think if that goes well and we turn into more of a SaaS business, that opens the door to doing a lot, a lot more, uh, a lot more stuff that will be, you know, things like cryptocurrency, um, things like allowing different other different types of payment methods, things like uh, allowing people to say, Hey, actually I want to redirect all my earnings to this charity for this month. Oh, yeah, yeah. These, these things we haven't really been able to do because government always been the middleman. Yep. Um, and for tax reasons and other reasons, it just become, became really complicated to ever really invest in, in those ideas. But if we can say, Hey, look, it's just, it's your Stripe account. It's your PayPal account. Um, we can do whatever, you know, we can that. The, the whole, the whole world opens up, you know, um all of a sudden um there's there's a whole there's there are all these different things that we've not been able to build that we could we could now think about think about building and then the other thing so that's one angle of it and then the other thing that I've wanted to do for a long time that we've been making a lot of progress on is open sourcing gumroad and so just really as simple as that we want to we want to take the gumroad code base and make it public um and that's also not purely altruistic i think as i said like i think every good idea has both selfish and selfless sort of benefits (laughs) um with that we we hope that sort of as i mentioned this kind of contributor model that we've been we've been doing um we want to open that up and see if we can actually build it, build gumroad out in the open and get people to help us build gumroad Uh... and have a component that people like imagine if you're an open source contributor to a bunch of stuff and you're like hey i want to build this feature for gumroad um, and we were like, awesome. Yeah. We'll pay you $2,000 to do that. And it's, you know, literally it's a, it's an open, it's a PR. It's not, it's not like a, you know, there's a, you know, there's a 1099 sure. and all that stuff too, but you know, but it all happens in the open. And there's actually a company a long time ago that tried this and failed. So, <laughs> um, uh, we'll see what happens, but it's, 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 I don't know. I've been kind of obsessed with, yeah, with this idea. Like there are all these people that I think I'd love to, there's, there's a lot of people that, you know, that used to be a government that I would love to, to bring on again, but they're, you know, they're now busy working at different companies. Right. And I'm like, Hey, well, it'd be cool. if like if, you know, one weekend we all got together and everyone got paid and we just built a bunch of stuff together again. I don't know. There's all this stuff that I want to do, but a gumroad is now kind of more of a playground to me. You know, yep. I, I don't know if you saw, you, I think you did. You saw my tweet yesterday where I tweeted the gumroad revenue numbers, which we've never done before. Sure. Um, and it's just, it's just, you know, It's it's just what to kind of see what happens. There's no, again, there's no grand plan behind any of this really. It's more like I want to try it. I want to see how it feels and uh, and see if it helps anybody or see if it helps us. And maybe it opens a door that wasn't open before. At least doesn't we didn't know about.
0: I think like when and we felt this way really since we got since we became profitable. This sort of like well we do whatever we want kind of thing. Like and who cares if an experiment works or doesn't work. But I mean, I I feel like there's so much sort of, I don't know, business or just innovation in general, maybe even outside of the technology side of innovation, but just employment, innovation, whatever you want to call it, that can happen when it sort of doesn't matter what the outcome is. Like you're, you're not forced to choose the the sort of um, return on investment kind of outcome. Um, Like it, the The influences are different, so you 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 try yeah. different things that you otherwise wouldn't have
1: i think that yeah that's 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 a better way to put it i think than I, than I was able to yeah you yeah, you've you've done what you wanted the business to do you know you've 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 achieved profitability you've you've you're able to sustain yourself, and it's dick from Twitter he talks about it like oxygen mm. he's like you know when you, when revenue is like oxygen like when you don't have it, you really need it. But once you have it you don't need it anymore right. you're not looking for you, you that that whole drive to like oh we need to you know that that it, it got, it's it's nice it goes away and you're like oh, okay what now that we've we've we're we're able to breathe we're able to tread water like what what else is out there like what 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 now that we've we've the way i think about it is like we've built this platform you know we have tons of people everyone not everyone a lot of people know what gumroad is you know tens of millions of people a month visit it we have thousands of creators a lot of them pay us money every month or all of them do, I guess. But um, we have this platform. Like, what can we do with this platform now? It doesn't have to be, you know. Can we take this platform and make it bigger? Right. Can we like increase the revenue? It's like, no. We have this awesome thing that we've built. What can, we, how can we help ourselves and help the world? And with with, with what we well,
0: have it, it gets you back to kind of the way that the company even started, right? Like it's just sort of this whim. That, hey, let me try this thing and mm-hmm. see what happens. Well, now you get to go back to just trying things and seeing what happens. And if it, exactly. if it becomes successful, great. If it doesn't, you no real skin off your back because you've been profitable. Like, you know, you're,
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's like when, you, when you're not profitable, you, you have like a, a ticker in your yes. head, right? And every time you, you decide to work on something, you're like, okay, well, we have one month less to work on anything else we could have worked on. Okay. Um, but that, that number is now infinity, right? Really, like we can take as long as we want um so that 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 sort of competition between features of like oh should we work on this or work on this or priority that that isn't you know of course you want to work on things in, in certain priority but it doesn't have that same uh same same sort of oh yeah if we do this we can never work on this other thing right like it's this or this that's it um and also yeah you're you know, even with team the team, I'm sure the team would get upset at me. You know, when they're like, "Oh, we have this such a cool idea," and I'm like, "But that's not in line with what we want to build. That's not in this direction that we're going in." And that's the direction we're going in because we need to raise money. Um, Whereas now it's like, "Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, like, you know, work on that on your spare time, and you're, you're you're being paid hourly, so it doesn't matter if you do it in a weekend or in six months. Just keep plodding along and let me know how it goes and um, and there's that trust there, you know, that they're not going to abuse it, it, that, that freedom yep. and it's worked really great for us. Um, yeah. And things like opening up the numbers, like, I don't think I would have done that if we were hiring from, you know, if we were based in SF, hiring an SF, raising money in SF, you have to, hold, like, you have to keep your cards wouldn't. close. Yeah. It's a very different, whereas now I'm like, look, we're building this thing. I want to, I want to, I don't really know why, honestly, like someone asked me the other day, I'm like, I don't know why I did it. I really like don't Um, maybe I'll just gain more Twitter followers. Maybe someone will use a Gummer that wouldn't have used a Gummer otherwise like sure. There's that, but really it's just like, I want to see how it feels and, and, and some, you know, it's like, it's like, I don't know what I don't know. I've never tried it before. Right. Yep.
0: All right. I think uh, we can talk about like the future of work forever here. Um, But let's, let's call it. So how, um, how can people get in, get in touch with you?
1: Yeah. Um, the, the, easiest ways, is you know twitter my handle is shl um you can message me on twitter uh my dms are open you can send me an email email is probably not ideal uh twitter dm is probably the best but if you want to email me it's my first name at gummercom you can send me a dm on instagram uh if you're interested in buying one of my paintings <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah twitter email the standard stuff
0: cool right on all right. Well, that's all I've got. Uh, thanks for hopping on the call, Sahil.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me.
0: All right. There we have it. Sahil Lavingia of Gumroad. Thanks for listening this week. If you need revenue analytics and insights, check out bearmetrics.com. If you have any feedback, I would love to hear it. Shoot me an email, josh at baremetrics.com or on Twitter at Spigford. Head to founderchats.com to listen to lots of other conversations with lots of other startup founders. And if you enjoyed this, a rating on iTunes or sharing it with your friends goes a long way. Thanks again and see you next week.